Good morning. Good morning. Centuries ago, the psalmist said, this is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. My name is Mark Williams, and I'm the senior minister here at Naples UCC. Welcome to all in worship in person, and welcome also to those who are connecting with us online, especially the community at Arbor Trace. I'm Reverend Angela Wells-Bean. I'm your minister for congregational care, and we are thrilled to have you worshiping with us on this first Sunday of November. And I'd like to ask you to register your attendance. And so if you're here in the sanctuary, please take a moment to grab those blue attendance pads. They're on the end of your pews and fill that out. And if you're worshiping with us online, you can go ahead and write your name in the comments section. Tell us where you are this morning. And while you're there, if you'd like to, you can click on a link which will pull up a PDF of our bulletin. Also, for those of you joining us remotely, today is Communion Sunday, so if you want to take this opportunity, if you haven't done so already, to grab your elements so that you can participate in that sacrament with us a little bit later on in the service. Our mission focus in the gathering place today is on food assistance, and there are multiple opportunities upcoming to help with food packing at Grace Place on uh, uh, November the 10th at 8.30, as well as at Harry Chapin Food Bank on November the 11th on Saturday at 8.30 and at noon. And if you're interested in assisting and being part of either one of those missions, there's a sign-up sheet in the gathering space. Be sure to sign up today before you leave. And um, quick correction, the the Grace Place food packing is Friday at noon. So if you're not an early riser, please do join the group on Friday at noon at Grace Place. And then, as Mark said, two opportunities for food packing for Harry Chapin on Saturday. And you can learn more more about both of those mission partners after worship. Um, And we have two more things coming up this week that we want to remind you of. Today, the youth group is going bowling at 4 p.m. You can read details about that in your bulletin. But if you have a teenager in your life, please do encourage them to go to the bowling alley and meet there at 4 o'clock with our youth director, Sarah Treiser. So that's sure to be a wonderful and fun time. And also on Tuesday, the 7th at 10.30 in the morning, um, Rich Kirchner, a retired United Methodist minister and very active member of our church, chair of our Board of Christian Education, will be teaching a class on progressive theology. What does that mean? Progressive is such a loaded word, and when you put it next to theology, um, that can spark all kinds of thoughts and ideas. And so join us for this really important and seminal conversation on Tuesday at 1030 in Nelson Hall 207, and it is sure to be thought-provoking. And that is the first of two sessions. So there's uh, this, the first one is this Tuesday, and then there's another one following. Lots going on in the life of our church, but for now, let us center our hearts and minds as we prepare to worship God. Eternal God, on this All Saints Sunday, We express our thanks and praise for all your servants who, having finished their course, now rest from their labors. Comfort us in our grief. Remind us of the reunion in heaven that awaits and give us the grace to follow the example of the saints and their faithfulness. I invite you to turn to your bulletins and join me in our prayer of invocation. Let us pray together. 
God of all generations, be close to us today as we celebrate the ancestors of our faith. Hear our gratitude as we honor those with whom we have shared life and love. Sanctify those precious memories within our hearts that we might trust you with our lives until we join the saints in glory and feast alongside them at your heavenly banquet. Amen. I invite you to be in a spirit of prayer with me as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, for the saints and martyrs throughout history people in places where testifying to your love is dangerous or illegal. They offer up their very lives so that your life abundant may become manifest and so that others may know the extravagance of your love. In the midst of trial, they hold out hope. In the midst of persecutions, they witness to your power. In the midst of despair, they cling to your promise. We thank you for the truths they have passed on to us. For those who have disappeared because they dared to speak that their spirits may not be broken by their body's pain. For your love and faithfulness made manifest through these saints, we offer our gratitude. Give us the courage to follow you as they did, no matter the risk. We are also surrounded by a cloud of faithful witnesses who have gone before us, those whom we knew personally and love deeply, those who have left indelible marks on our lives, the ones who love where others have hated, the ones who heal where others have hurt, the ones who speak out when others have remained silent. God, may we walk in their footsteps, learning courage from their faith. May we learn to give so that others may receive. May we learn to love so that others may be set free. May we join that cloud of faithful witnesses treading paths of loving service, leaving footprints that those who are to come after us desire to walk in so that we too lead lives which bring about your realm on earth. On this All Saints Sunday, we reflect on our loved ones who have gone before us, whether our grief is fresh or time has worn it over like a smooth stone. The hole is still there, the emptiness, the moments when we can viscerally feel their presence with us. We ask you to be with all those who are grieving the loss of someone they love. May they know they are not alone. They are held and loved and supported by this community and by you. We are reminded of the wise words of one of your saints, Nelson Mandela, who said, I am not a saint unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying. When we experience despair, when we make mistakes, remind us, O God, that each day is a chance to try again, to be a little bit less like a sinner and more like a saint. And we remember that saints are simply ordinary people who loved in extraordinary ways, and each of us have the capacity to do that. May we have the presence of mind to see those opportunities in our lives when they present themselves. We thank you, O God, for the ultimate saint, Jesus, the risen Christ, 
the one who showed us what perfect love looks like laying down one's life for one's friends. May we be inspired by the life he led as we pray together the prayer that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. Amen. Today's scripture comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, and you're invited to follow along if you would like to, as the words are printed in your bulletins. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God singing, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. And then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship God day and night within God's temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and God will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. May God bless our modern hearing of these holy words. A question perhaps appropriate for All Saints Sunday. What do you imagine heaven to be like A question that's as interesting as it is complicated. Complicated because we have a number of scripture passages that share with us a little bit about what heaven may be like. But then we also have some rumors in secular culture as to what we might expect in heaven. A few I've heard recently, in heaven there is unlimited ice cream. 
Let's hope it's Hagendas. In heaven, it is like a worship service that never ends. Let's hope the sermon is good. Or as I read the other day, in heaven, there are golf courses even more beautiful than those in southwest Florida. Which for some might sound good, but if you've ever seen my iron play, that sounds like a cruel form of unusual purgatory for me. But if there is ever a cultural rumor about heaven that I hear, it's simply that heaven is me and God forever. In our iPhone, iPad, personal pan pizza of a world, there are times in which we are tempted to imagine that, you know, heaven is me and God forever. But might I suggest to you that if this is your vision of heaven, heaven might perhaps be a little bit better than that. For part of what the good news of scripture has shared over the centuries is that heaven is me and God forever, yes, but also reunion with the saints. For when you consider the entirety of the New Testament, really, you frequently see heaven described as Jeannie shared with the children as a perfect community. John in our scripture passage today says that heaven is like a great multitude of people. Jesus shared in the gospel that in heaven, the father's house has many rooms. As one biblical scholar joked, heaven is not a one bedroom condo. Elsewhere in the gospels, Jesus says that heaven is like a wedding feast. How many wedding receptions have you ever been to where there's only one person? Elsewhere in the book of Revelation, heaven is described as a city. How many cities have you ever been to where there is only one person present? Heaven is more than just me and God. Heaven is me, God, and the saints forever. A great multitude. I was reading a blog a couple of weeks ago about the formation of a faithful All Saints Sunday worship service. And a colleague in the ministry, she mentioned that a faithful All Saints worship service includes both challenge and hope. The challenge is that the congregation in the service must confront their grief. Who do you miss today? Saints in your life. A mom or a grandma a father or a grandfather, a spouse, a friend, perhaps even a child? Who do you miss this morning? Therein lies the challenge of All Saints Sunday. We confront our grief, but we do so also remembering that we have hope. As the Apostle Paul shared with the church in Thessalonica, those who follow Jesus do not grieve like the rest of the world, but rather have a different kind of hope. And what is that hope? The hope is reunion with those people we love in heaven. You see, sometimes I think in all of our grief and all of our uh, me and God in heaven forevermore, it must just be individualistic, if you will. We sometimes uh, grieve in ways that are partially satisfying. Uh, We say, you know, I got through my grief in steps, you know, partially satisfying. We say, I have those memories of that person that I love, 
partially satisfying. We say he's in a better place or she's in a better place. And when I think about it, that makes me happy. Partially satisfying. And hear me say this, all of those grief strategies are well and they are strategies that I use myself in my own grief. But if we're going to be honest with one another, that's not what we really want. For what is it that we really want in our grief? We want to see her again. We want to see him again. We want to hug that person again. We want to eat dinner with that person again. We want to speak with that person again. We want to be reunited with that person. And leave it up to God to know what we deeply want in our hearts. Reunion. Heaven as a great multitude. I was reading some months ago a reflection from a hospital chaplain who was speaking to this issue of grieving, remembering that we'll be reunited with loved ones. And he was sharing back in an article that he wrote that during the pandemic, he became even more and more convinced, cemented in his mind, perhaps, as he put it, that the best possible way to grieve is via reunion. For part of what he watched over a two-year period during the pandemic was so many people at the hospital and elsewhere unable to say the goodbyes that they wanted to say. You couldn't always enter the hospice room. You couldn't always go into the hospital. You couldn't always get on the plane. You couldn't always test negative. You you couldn't always... uh, be at the funeral even. You had to zoom in for it. And the hurt of that, said the chaplain, was just uh, overbearing for him to receive from folks at times. And this was his one-liner. He said, if you are unable to properly say goodbye, then the best bet in all of your grief is to believe again that you will say hello. A great multitude. And by the way, this grief strategy, if you will, this option of believing, knowing that we will be reunited with saints in heaven for eternity, is a strategy that I wouldn't just commend that we use in our personal lives as we miss people that we love on a personal level, but also when we think about the world in which we live. For when you consider the tragedies of this world, the war that is going on, the loss of life in Russia and Ukraine and the Middle East and in this country and even in our community when it comes to a friction between those of different races and religions, part of what you have to say in all of it is that the cheap stuff, heaven is golf course, grief is just steps, that doesn't get to the heart of how we need to grieve, does it not? But I tell you what does get to my own heart, the words of John in this scripture. I peered into heaven and saw a great multitude, people of every nation, of every tribe, of every language, a great multitude. And you say, well, all right, preacher, so why is it that some people have to leave this earth sooner than others? That is a big, big question, and I respond to that question with the four most important words a minister can ever share with the congregation. I do not know. I do not know. 
But in some of my reading about the mystery that is heaven, I stumbled across a a parable that I would share with you uh, to close my message this morning that is perhaps the best way to consider uh, wrestling with that question in your own life and in your grief. It's the parable of the person who got picked up by a friend and taken to a party. You go to this party, you're that person, and you arrive at the party, and, you know, the party is pretty good. There's some appetizers there, and you appreciate the appetizers, and a few of your friends are there, and you get to see some people, and the party's okay, and it gets a little bit better as more people show up. But after an hour goes by, your friend comes up to you and says, look, uh, time is up. I've got to take you home. And your friend takes you home and you get out of your friend's car and you walk to the doorstep of your house and you're just said, well, it's an okay party. And you open up the door and in your living room, the lights flick on and everyone says, surprise. And there in your home are tons of your friends. The food is absolutely delightful. Some of your favorites are there. And little by little, some of those other people at the other party begin to start attending. Why do some people have to leave the first party earlier than others? I do not have an explanation. But what I do have is something better than an explanation. I have a hope. And my hope is simply that you and I have not attended the final party with loved ones. That one day we will be reunited in heaven in a place where there are no more tears, no more hunger, no more thirst, no more scorching heat, peace and joy with God forever, including, yes, the great multitude. And now as you go from this place grieving the saints in your own life, may God's comforting arms embrace you and may you have the courage and faithfulness to believe that again you shall say hello. Go in peace.